Welcome to Gateway's podcast. We hope God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Don Brock. For more information about Gateway, please visit www.gatewaybc.com. Well, we are starting a new journey today, and those who are joining us online, we're glad you're here and a part of this. And uh, we're, we're taking a journey to find God's plan for your life. And, uh, and we're, we're, we're beginning with some premises. Uh, and that main premise is that you want God's plan for your life. Um, if you don't settle that up front, then this is not going to do a lot of good for you. So I'm, I'm saying everything I'm saying today on the basis that you want God's plan for your life. And what we're going to be doing over the next several weeks is building one foundational stone on another about God's plan for you. And, uh, and so I think whenever you are looking for something about truth, you should always go to wisdom. And the Bible tells us to seek wisdom. So I thought we would begin by hearing the wise advice from a great theologian. And, uh, and he is uh, the Cheshire Cat from Alice in Wonderland. So listen to this great theologian. Why, why you're a cat. A Cheshire Cat. All the mimsy, all the water goes. Oh, wait. Don't go, please. Very well. Third chorus. Oh, no, no, no. Thank you, but, but I just wanted to ask you which way I ought to go. Well, that depends. And where? You want to get to? Oh, it really doesn't matter. As long as I can... Then it really doesn't matter which way you go. There you go. If you don't know where you're going, then it doesn't matter which way you go, right? If you have no idea where you're heading, it doesn't matter which road you take, which direction you go. And uh, so there's a lot of advice and wisdom in that that hopefully we can start figuring out where it is that you're really trying to go. Uh, We need to figure out where we're going so that we will know the path to take. That's why we're doing this series. Because sadly, I I really think that many, many believers don't have it understood in their mind clear enough where it is that they are going. So let's begin with some foundational truth. God's ultimate goal for you is for you to accept his grace, his mercy, and his forgiveness through his son, Jesus Christ. That's the ultimate goal. And if if you miss that, then it does not matter which path you take. If you miss that, nothing else matters. Once you've done that, though, once you have settled that, Once you have accepted God's grace and mercy and forgiveness through his son, Jesus Christ, then there's an automatic fulfillment of another goal. You don't have to do anything else for this other goal. It's automatically fulfilled, and that is to be with God in heaven for all eternity. You settle that issue about Jesus, then God's other goal for your life to be with him, it's a done deal. Nothing else to be done. It's settled. So, God's ultimate goal is for me to know Jesus. 
God's ultimate goal is to be with him for all eternity. That's why I need to know Jesus. And it's that in-between time that we are actually going to start dealing with. That in-between time of when you give your life to Christ and you go to heaven. I, I like saying it that way for Christians. Not when you die, but when you go to heaven. Yes, your body does die, but you don't. You live for eternity. And, and so in this in-between time, God is doing a process. And this truly helps me to understand a lot about God's plan for my life, is understanding the process. And that process is he is making you Christ-like. He wants me to be with him in, in his home for eternity. So he sent Jesus Christ to provide the way for that. And so in the in-between time, until that time that I go to be with him for eternity in heaven, he's using this process, this lifetime, to make me more and more like Jesus. In Psalms 57, it says, I cry out to God most high, to God who will fulfill his purpose for me. God has a purpose for you and he will fulfill it. God created you to be like Jesus. From the very beginning, God's plan has been to make you like his son. And that's really your destiny. God announced, in fact, he announced his intentions at creation. In Genesis chapter 1, it says, Then God said, Let us, and that's the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. God's purpose from the very beginning for you, you to be like Jesus. And what a tremendous privilege that God would give us that kind of dignity. My goodness, that separates us from all other, everything else in creation is that incredible dignity right there. I mean, we are spiritual beings and our spirits are immortal that will outlast our earthly bodies. We are intellectual. We can think, we can reason, we can solve problems. We are relational. We can give and receive love. We have a moral conscience. We truly can discern from right and wrong, which actually that makes us accountable to God, that we do know the difference. So God sent Jesus on a mission to restore that full image that was marred because of sin the image of God was marred in you because of your sin nature that you were born with. And so God sent Jesus to restore that image. So what does the full image and likeness of God look like? Well, it looks like Jesus. That's what his image looks like. And that's why he's bringing about in you a course of action to make you more and more like Jesus. The Bible says Jesus is the exact likeness of God, the invisible image of God. In fact, Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. 
When a, you know, when a child is born, usually the question is asked, well, does he look like his mother or his father? And, uh, you know, you kind of take a little bit of pride in that. And when people come up and say to me, you know, Mac looks just like Mary. I said, really? I said, well, let me show you a picture. And I'll show a picture of me uh, and Mac at the same age, of course, different lifetimes. And, uh, and they'll say, oh, my goodness, Mac looks just like you. I said, that's right. You know, I take pride in that. And, uh, and we like that. Well, God wants his children to bear his image and his likeness as well. That's why the Bible says in Ephesians 4, put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous, truly holy. That's what God desires for you. Now, let me give you a warning. You will never become God. You will never become a God. That's the prideful lie that Satan told. It's the oldest temptation, actually. That pride of life when Jesus told Adam and Eve and promised them that uh, if they followed his advice, you shall be as gods. Well, that's just a lie. In fact, you know, many religions and even the New Age philosophies of today still promote that old lie. You know, New Age stuff is really nothing but old age repackaged. And uh, it's the old lie that we are divine and therefore we can become gods. God doesn't want you to become a god. He wants you to become godly, taking on his values, his attitudes, his character to be like Christ. Ephesians 4, 21 and following, it says, since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, here's what we're to do. Throw off your old sinful nature. So this is part of God's will for you. This is part of God's plan for your life. Here, here's part of it. Throw off the old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by your lust and, and it's really deception Instead, let the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, renew your thoughts, renew your attitudes, put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous, truly holy. You know, God created your uniqueness. And he certainly doesn't want to destroy it. You know, Christ's likeness is about transforming your character, not so much your personality. I mean, God gave you a personality. It's unique. And he wants to transform your character, which will impact your personality, but not destroy your personality nor take away your personality. It will cause your personality to be even more so, more pleasing. So I have to remember this. Life's difficult. In fact, I think life's meant to be difficult. God, he lets us struggle. And he lets us struggle so that he can strengthen our faith. Because when he strengthens our faith, he's giving us the ability to please him 
even more because the Bible says without faith, we cannot please God. So God, it's kind of like lifting weights. You can just sit and lift five pounds every day, all day long, and it's not going to change much. But you start adding on more weight. Becomes a little more of a struggle. Becomes a little harder. But it allows your muscles to get stronger. You just keep adding on a little more weight. God allows the struggles. He allows the pressures. Because it grows you. It stretches you. It makes you stronger in your faith. To trust Him. So I have to remember... Earth is not heaven. Many Christians uh, misinterpret when Jesus promised the abundant life. Man, that has been so mis mispreached and misinterpreted uh, because some people believe that when Jesus said he came to give you abundant life, that thought they, they teach that that means perfect health, a comfortable lifestyle, constant happiness, Full realization of your dreams, instant relief from your problems as long as you prayed with enough faith. In other words, they expect the Christian life to be easy. They expect heaven on earth. You know, if you're so self-absorbed, then you treat God like a genie in a bottle. That he's exists, he exists here to serve your purposes. You bring him out when you need special favors. But God is not your servant. And if you fall for that idea that life is supposed to be easy, either you will become very disillusioned or you will live in the denial of reality. So here it is. God gives us our time here on earth to build and strengthen our character for heaven. God's number one goal for believers is to make you Christ-like. Now, when I see a good illustration, I'm going to borrow it. Uh, Francis Chan did this illustration. I loved it. I actually used it here a long time ago. But for what we're doing in this series, I thought it was perfect to bring this out again. So um, those of you who haven't seen this, this rope represents eternity. Um, your life actually represents your life. Your life has a beginning. You were born. And this rope just goes on and on. This rope never ends. Trust me. Um, just trust me. Never ends. Now, you were born, and the day's going to come when you die. So this green part... This represents your life here and now. But here, you really don't die. Oh, your body does. Your body ceases to exist. But you keep on living. And you're going to, your life, I mean, when, when you die, some people think, well, that's it. Oh, no, it is just starting. And you're going to spend eternity if you're a believer with God in his heaven and there are no loops in heaven. So, and, uh, and, and you're going to spend eternity with him in heaven and it's going to be amazing or 
you're going to spend eternity apart from God in a place called hell, a place of torment that never ends. So, what happens here prepares me for this. But here's how we think, even as believers. So you start your life, you, you're born, and somewhere you became, you know, you just, you, you accept Jesus. And so you, you think, okay, I'm just going to have a fulfilled life. And we spend all of our time thinking about this life. And then we, we, we cannot wait till we get to this part right here when we retire near the, near the end. And then that's it. We die. And, and, and you, we think, well, that's it. And I said, no, no, it's just beginning. So here's where God sees it. God says, okay, you prayed to receive Christ. Now I'm going to spend the rest of this part making you more and more like Jesus so that you'll be ready to spend eternity with me in heaven. That's God's plan for you. Is to make you more like Jesus. Now, you have your careers, you have the things that you do, you have your family, and that's still all part of the plan. He's teaching you how to be Christ-like in your marriage. And boy, that's, that's usually where it's needed the most, right? He's teaching you how to be Christ-like in front of your kids. In your career, he's teaching you how to be Christ-like in front of your employees or in front of your employer. He's teaching you to be Christ-like in your fellow employees. He's teaching you how to be Christ-like with your neighbors. With people that are hard to get along with. He's teaching you to be Christ-like when nobody's looking. When nobody's around. And see, if, if I can get it in my brain, this is meant to prepare me for this. And that helps me a lot. God is wanting to make me more and more like Jesus so that I'll be Christ-like in heaven with him. That, that changes how I look at this. That changes how I approach the whole thing about purpose in life and meaning in life. So let's, uh, let's remember a couple of phrases as we go through this series. Number one, do surrender your life. Do surrender your life to Jesus. I mean, give him the deed to your life. Give him the deed to your life. And the second phrase you'll hear frequently is don't be conformed to this world. Do surrender, but don't conform. And as we learn to, to follow those two principles, then we're going to find more and more what God's purpose is for your life, God's plan for your life. You know, I know how it is. If I only knew what God's will was for my life, well, God's will is for you to become more and more like Jesus. 
You know, few people in the Bible received their life plan from God in advance. Very few. Abraham, the guy God used to start the Jewish nation, God's people. He said, pack your bags, start walking. That's all the instruction he got. And so by faith, he packed his bags and he started walking. And at the right moment, at the right time, God always showed him where to go and what to do. And sometimes Abraham failed miserably. Sometimes he got it right. Sometimes he didn't. But God was teaching and growing his faith. So that one day Abraham would come to his kingdom fully Christ-like. So I need to learn to focus, like Abraham, on my response to the Holy Spirit today. How do I respond to the Holy Spirit today? In fact, Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow. It's, it's easy to miss today by thinking about next year. You know, my calling into ministry has been a journey. It's never been a destination. It's always been a journey. My freshman year of college, when I committed my life to full-time ministry, it came with no promises. I wasn't even, I wasn't even told what kind of ministry it was going to be. I, I was told really nothing. I mean, God didn't promise me anything. He didn't promise me a wife even. No other promises except that he would guide me every day and I would know what to do when the time came. I would know what his will was. So God was teaching me from the get-go, I want you to learn to trust my Holy Spirit every day. So God does have a purpose for you. And in that purpose, he's teaching you to trust him every single day with that daily decision. Now, here's how we as humans think. I'm trying to see the big picture. I'm trying to see the big picture of what God's will is for. I want to see the big picture. Well, let's look at some big picture statements. In Galatians 5, it says... So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Well, that's a big picture. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. So as a believer, and I'm talking to you assuming that you're a believer. Uh, here's the deal. He said, look, you, you got a choice. You either let the Holy Spirit guide your life or your sinful cravings will guide your life. There's not an in-between usually. I'm either living for the Holy Spirit or I'm living for self. And myself tends to be driven by sinful cravings. So I have a choice. Let the Holy Spirit guide my everyday life today, just today. Or I'm going to spend my time satisfying me. Jesus said, um, so don't worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. 
I mean, what you've got to deal with today, that's enough. And I'm going to give you what you need for today. Don't worry about tomorrow. I'm going to give you what you need for today. Now, let me go ahead and tell you. He's not saying uh, if you're going on vacation in two weeks, it means you're not allowed to plan anything. He's not saying you don't plan anything. Just get in your car and start driving. That's not what this is saying. Um, what he's saying is as you live your life, you focus on today's task that God has set before you, what he desires for you this day. That means you spent time with him. You talk to him about it. This is why I need to pray every day. See, I, I don't pray once a year and get God's plan for the whole year. And then I'll check in with him on December 31st, the end of the year for the next year. No, I, I talk to him every day. I get his plan for today. So I'm just trying to see the big picture. And that gets me in trouble. Number two, I'm just looking for balance in my life. I hear this a lot. I just want balance. I'm not sure what that means. Galatians 5.25 says, Since we are living by the Spirit, then let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. In every single part of our lives, we need to follow the Spirit's leading on a daily basis. So the Bible does not teach that we need the balanced life. All right, I need, I need to have my time with God. I need my time with family. I need my time with work. The Bible does not teach that. The Bible teaches God. And then inside of that, you've got family. And inside of God, you've got work. Inside of God, you've got friendships. That's what the Bible teaches. Many people have added a little bit of Jesus to their lives. He doesn't work that way. We ask him to join our journey. As if we decide where we're going. Did you ask Jesus in your life just to get a ticket out of hell? Doesn't work that way. Often, there's actually no real repentance. We are seeking a semi-moral life. Jesus said, hey, if you, if you love me, if you really love me, obey my commandments. Do what I say. Follow my teaching. I only need the Holy Spirit if I desire to obey him in everything. Uh, Jesus told his disciples in Matthew 28. He said, I, I've been given all authority. Every bit of it. In heaven and on earth. I'm it, Jesus said. Therefore, I have the right to tell you what to do here now. Go and make disciples. That's, that's the great commission in a nutshell. He breaks it down in different ways, but basically he's saying, make disciples. So it's like Jesus is saying, look, wherever I lead you, at work, at home, in your neighborhood, with your friends... Ultimately, I want you making disciples. In fact, some, sometimes 
Um, some of you, I know some of you, you're like the only Christian at work, or at least you feel that way. And it's a struggle. And you battle it. And it's really easy to say, I want out. But maybe God is saying, oh, no, no, I've got you here on purpose. You're, you're my only witness. That group of people. And I want you to follow me every day. And I'm going to show you how to make disciples. I'm going to show you how to share your faith. I'm going to show you how to live in such a way that people take notice that your life is different. They're going to see that you work harder with greater integrity and dignity than anybody else. They're going to see your friendliness and your genuine love and care for other people like nobody else. They're going to see that you care about people more than anybody else. They're going to see Jesus in you. And I'm going to use you to make some disciples. Now that's God's will. Wherever he has you, where you live, who you play with, who you work with, who you go to school with, he wants you to make disciples. And he promised, just like he did disciples, he, he, he said, <clears throat> I am always going to be with you. <clears throat> I am always going to be with you. You know, another question. It's easy to ask, do I really need the Holy Spirit? I mean, you know, my life is easy. My life is good. Things are going well. Do I really need the Holy Spirit? In 2 Corinthians, it says, we now have this light in our hearts. But we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. What, what a description. We have this amazing treasure in us. God himself. His Holy Spirit resides in us. And we're, we're just, we're fragile. <coughs> we easily break. We're, we're fragile people. We're easily tempted. And yet inside of us, we contain this great treasure. Then it says, this makes it clear that our great power is from God, not ourselves. It's not about us. It's about him. We are pressed on every side by troubles. <laughs> I can relate. Can you relate to that one? Every, like everywhere you turn, it seems like there's trouble, there's problems. But we are not crushed. God's promised that. We are perplexed. Let's face it. Sometimes we say, God, I don't know what you're up to. I don't know what's happening. I don't understand this. But God, God keeps us from getting that to that absolutely despair. We're hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we're not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Christ, of Jesus, may also be seen in our bodies. Yes, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus so that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. 
Now, most of you have never had to experience that extreme, but maybe you have emotionally. I, I know people who've experienced this, this extreme. I'm on the board of a mission agency and um, uh, received a private text this week that two of our church planners that we as a church, we support. And I can't give you their name, can't tell you where they are, but they got arrested this past week crossing the border into a country carrying Bibles and training materials. So they were put in jail. And um, one, of, one of three things can happen. They can be sent to prison. They can be fined heavily, like a couple of years worth of salary. Or they can be executed. All which is allowed under the law in the country that they were arrested in. You and I have never dealt with that. But that's very real for these two brothers. They're, they're your brothers. And you help support them. When I read this verse, I said, well, this really relates to them. <laughs> My life is so easy in comparison. So I, I pray this verse for them, that Lord, they live under constant danger of death because they serve you. So let the life of Jesus be evident, even in their dying bodies. That kind of makes it, that puts it into perspective for me. You know, when I started dating Mary, I stopped dating everybody else. I wanted her to marry me, and I, I wanted to marry her. But if I had just said, hey, uh, you know, while we date and while we're engaged, I'm going to date some other people. Just keep my options open. You think she'd have bought into that? And yet, when I said yes to Jesus, sometimes we struggle with saying no to everything else. When I said yes to Mary, I said no to everything else, to everyone else. So this, even more so, when I say yes to Jesus, I have to say no to everything else, including myself. 2 Corinthians 12 says, each time he said, my grace is all you need. Really, that's it. My power works best in weakness. Your, your weakness, my weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses. So that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses. And, and in the insults and hardships and persecutions and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And I think about my two friends 
sitting in a jail cell thinking about that verse for them. One last thought. What does real crazy faith look like? In Luke chapter 21, it says when Jesus was in the temple, he was watching the rich people dropping their gifts in the collection box. Then a poor widow came by and dropped in two small coins. And listen to what Jesus said. I'll tell you the truth. This poor widow has given more than all the rest of them. All the rest of them put together, really. For they have given a tiny part of their surplus. But she, poor as she is, has given everything she has. Could you have that kind of crazy faith? To get to that point where you say... All I've got is me, and I'm giving you all of me. Do what you want to do with me. Uh, I'm willing to be humiliated by the opinions of those around me for your sake. I'm willing to be misunderstood by those around me for your sake. Being filled is not a one-time act. It's a moment by moment. So the foundation of truly finding God's plan for your life is being filled by his Holy Spirit moment by moment so that he can point out to you the next step to take. And get you where he truly wants you to be. Now that's crazy faith. Let's pray.